0: Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Well hello and welcome to Engage for Success Radio. Engage for Success is a not-for-profit movement and we're the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. We're raising awareness and running events through our area networks around the country and our topic and sector-specific thought and action groups, developing research, publishing case studies and shining a light on great practice. Do visit us at engageforsuccess.org to learn more, uh, where you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter. I'm Jo Moffitt. I'm one of the regular hosts and MD and founder of Woodread. Uh, Woodread is a specialist creative agency. We, we use the tools, the techniques and the insight-led approach of the advertising and marketing world to help our clients create great places to work high-performing cultures of engaged employees, if you like. Uh, And I'm a volunteer with the Engage for Success movement. Today is show number 402 in our weekly series. I can't believe we're actually into our eighth year of broadcasting these weekly interviews. Um, And today, I'm very much looking forward to our special guest, um, who I'll introduce in a moment. And our topic today we're going to be talking about leading effectively in the midst of significant uncertainty. Uh, and goodness me, I don't think there'll be anyone listening who can't recognise that the last 18 months have certainly delivered us plenty of that. So I'm very interested to hear what our special guest has to say. Uh, so let me introduce Tim Spiker. Tim is founder of the Aperio and he's also a published author. of The Who Not What Principle is something that he has identified Identified and defined, uh, and that has formed the basis of his book, *The Only Leaders Worth Following*. So, welcome to the show, Tim. Um, the, the "Who Not What" principle is, a, is a, a research-based truth that has powered 15 years of leadership development, and as I say, really supports Tim's book. Um, and in that book, it reveals that 70% of leadership effectiveness comes from who a leader is and not what they do. And that really underpins Tim's professional practice, which is providing leadership support to help people become and be and stay leaders who are actually worth following. And we don't mean following in the social media sense here, do we, Tim? We mean following (laughs) as in following. (laughs)
1: Great distinction, Joe. You're right. No, not in the
0: social media sense. Excellent. So welcome to the show, Tim. It's good to have you with us. So we've, we've got half an hour to explore Leading effectively in the midst of significant uncertainty. So I wonder whether we can start with that stat because it's it's quite a it's quite a powerful one that seventy percent um, of leadership effectiveness comes from who a leader is and not mm-hmm. what they do. Can you tell us a little more about that? Where's that data come from, and and and, and, and what does it what's it really meaning? What's it telling us?
1: Sure, I, I'd be happy to. It's it's the uh, you just asked me to say, hey, Tim, talk about what you're really passionate about. So no problem, Joe, I'm, I'm all Excellent. in here. Um, I was working with a leadership development uh, segment of a consulting firm here in the U.S. a number of years ago, and we would have clients with us up on a mountain for a week at a time, and we would put them through a series of assessments. And one of the questions that we would routinely get is, can we use these various assessments to predict who is or who can be an exceptional leader. And fortunately, we had enough data to crunch the numbers on that. And my colleague, Vanessa Kylie, she actually punched everything into the SPSS software to look to see if there was a connection between personality, natural ability, and leadership performance. And so she ran that analysis for us, and here's what she found. Absolutely nothing. She found no correlation. <laughs> between personality, natural ability, and leadership performance, but because the software does what it does, it looks for correlations in places where you're not initially looking, and I'm very thankful for that because what that run of software found is that if we just looked within our Leadership 360 that we were conducting, we -hmm. had eight areas of leadership being measured. Two of them accounted for just under 70% of the variability. In other words, if you take two out of eight, it it should be worth 25% if everything's even. But mm-hmm. instead, it was just under 70%. Years later, we reran the data with 10 times uh, the amount of data, and it went up to 77%. And what we found, quite by accident, is that those two areas that were driving so much of the variability were very different than the other six. What we discovered is those two aspects of leadership were about who you are as a person. The other six were about what you do as a leader, and that's when the light bulb came on for us. That seventy-seven percent of your effectiveness as a leader comes from who you are, not what you do.
0: And 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 can you explain a little bit more then about what we mean by who you are? Um, yes. You know, is it is it. Um, the, 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 oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably going to start using language which, which won't translate uh, across the pond. Um, but, you know, is it about <laughs> how you were educated or the school you went to? Um? Yes. Yes. Exactly the opposite of
1: that. So right. so you, I think you understand where we're heading. In fact, one of the exercises that I do with my clients quite often is we'll we'll take things like education and positions held and compare two leaders, knowing that one is an exceptional leader and the other one is exceptionally bad, and ask Mm -hmm. them based on those things to tell us which one it is, and they can't. They don't know. But if I turn the page and immediately, with one comment, begin to tell you a little bit about who they are as a person, everybody immediately knows who the better leader is. And that kind of makes the point, is that it's not about resumes and it's not even about positions that have been held it's more about who you are so those two aspects that we that we say okay what does it mean when you talk about the who of leadership we're talking about being inwardly sound and others focused inwardly sound and others
0: focused if each one yeah, of us those leaders, words yeah. I've, I've seen from your from your book those two phrases and I'm very yeah. keen to understand and drill down into those a bit more and understand what we what we mean by that
1: Well, in a very general sense, we could go through a lot of bulleted lists. But in a general sense, if I'm inwardly sound, you can count on me no matter the swirl that's going on. And you can immediately see how that would show up in the idea of leading in an uncertain time. So we'll come to that Mm -hmm. in a little bit. But inwardly sound means that I am stable and I can can essentially, if I'm a boat, uh, the hull of my ship can take a beating and it's still Mm -hmm. solid. You can still count on it. So there's mm-hmm. a stability and a sanity to the leader that comes from being inwardly sound. Others focused mm-hmm. is about that in the midst of having grounded myself, I'm not all about myself. I'm here to show up to lead for the sake of others, to lead for the sake of the enterprise. I see other people quite profoundly as people, not mm-hmm. necessarily as widgets to get something done. Uh, I see mm-hmm. them and I am for them. I am not just for my own upward mobility or my own professional opportunities. I'm others-focused as a way of being in life. Those are the two things that make up the core of who we are, inwardly sound and others-focused.
0: Right. Right. It's very very interesting. We um, I was involved in a in an online discussion um, a few weeks ago about toxic cultures within organisations, and it was a sort of panel discussion. And we were talking, we were using the example of the England football manager Gareth Southgate, who you probably haven't haven't heard of. But oh no he... no no no
1: no Joe, my whole family was sitting in front of the television during the Euro, playing so hard for the Three Lions. So we. We're disappointed at the end result, just like many other of <laughs> the folk in England. Right. No, I know who Southgate is.
0: Okay. Well, he's been he's sort of been lauded as this great example, as exemplar of what leadership is about. Who mm-hmm. takes responsibility, doesn't blame others, builds his team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're thinking about what you've just defined there. Um, yeah. I think he probably has got that in spades I mean it was really really easy he didn't blame other people for decisions he said it was down to me I made That's those right. decisions, and he took his team with him and he supported his team in what actually prior to the competition was some fairly dire um press attacks about some of their <laughs> attitudes around um, taking the knee before the matches, for example, uh, all of that, um,
1: yeah. he,
0: you know, he attracted a lot of, a lot of criticism. Um, hmm. So it was really, it's really interesting that you should, you should describe those. And we, we, we got into that conversation. We talked about the, the kind of contradiction of needing humility and courage that those, both those things are needed, even though you might not think of them as being, the kind of chest-beating qualities that people often think of as being required in leaders. Which oh, yeah, is, um, yeah.
1: I mean, when, when yeah. you talk, when you say those two things, Joe, you're identifying something on each side of of inwardly sound and others-focused. Courage being a part of being inwardly sound, and yeah. humility being a part of being others-focused. So, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and and so where do these qualities come from? I mean, if we say it is who you are, if we go back to that initial,
1: mm-hmm. initial
0: point, if we say who you are, does that mean that we kind of come out fully formed and we are what we are and we can't do anything about it? <laughs>
1: it's, it's a great question. And we get this. This is probably the number one question that we get as an organization. Uh, I don't find a lot of people push back on the research, but they do oftentimes show up with the next question, which says basically, so what? I mean, maybe it's true that who you are has that big of an impact, but can we do anything about it past the age of 30? Because there's a mm-hmm. perception that we can't grow and develop when we get later on in life. And, and if you look at research, that's simply not true.
0: Yeah, now, the, the it, old saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. It's, it,
1: you can if the dog is willing. Hmm. You can if the, now, the dog might not be willing.
0: <laughs> and we have
1: oftentimes seen, especially very accomplished leaders who are much further on in their careers, they don't necessarily find a need to become a more well-developed person. But when you find somebody that does, uh, there's plenty of evidence out there, both anecdotally and in terms of research, to show that we do have the capability of growing and developing at the core of who we are later on in life. Is it tough? Yes but it is doable. So it's really not a question of can or can't. It's a question of will or won't.
0: And are you emotionally intelligent? Are you emotionally mature enough to recognize that you need to?
1: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Mm, mm,
0: mm. So, so, okay. So if we, if we're going to be inwardly sound and others focused, which is the sort of um, elements of, 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 of who being, being, who we, who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, how does, that, how does that impact the way that we might lead, whether that be lead an organization at the very top of the, the, mm-hmm. the tree or whether it might, and I'm guessing it equally applies in a, in a sort of smaller scale if you're a team leader or, a, a, you know, you've, you're, you're a people manager.
1: Yes, you're correct. It applies at every single level, regardless. The, the context of leadership changes whether you're sitting at the top of the organization or maybe you're in your very first leadership position, uh, rather near the, the start of the organization. But it, it applies regardless. It's just that context changes, and so it looks a little <laughs> different in application, but the principles hmm. are the
0: same. Hmm. Hmm. And, and so, what does that? How does that impact what we? What we? <laughs> we said it? comes from who a leader is and not what they do Mm -hmm. but how does who a leader is impact what they do or perhaps more how they do it
1: Sure. So, do you want to do you want to do that in more generally, or do you want to talk specifically about in the midst of uncertainty? Because we can go either route with that. What do yeah, you? Yeah. Let, let,
0: well, let's do it in the midst of uncertainty because I think mean, if we okay. can get it right in the midst of uncertainty, <laughs> then surely that's got to set us up for the world beyond beyond all that uncertainty, hasn't it? So it's kind of like yeah. the hardest environment to to apply
1: these. I think. I think you're right everything. about that. Yeah. No, that's a that's a great point. And so the things I'm going to talk about here, uh, any listener could say, well. That would be true all the time. And they're right. <laughs> that would be true all the time. It's just especially true in the context of great uncertainty. So mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about five things here, and we'll talk about their connection points to who and what. And my encouragement for your listeners is, you know, generally somebody's not going to walk away from a half an hour and I heard five things and have a, a deep analysis about all five and commit it to memory and all that. I would suggest as we go through these five, listen for the one where you think you can make the biggest step forward in improvement. Um, mm-hmm. If you walk out of listen into this with just one small, hey, I can go in that direction a little bit more, you'll get value. If you try to remember all of it, it's probably not going to help much. That's my encouragement to I've those.
0: got you. Absolutely. And, 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 okay. and if we have time at the very end, and we usually find ourselves running horribly tight <laughs> on time, but if we have time at the very end, yeah. I will ask you if there was one thing just one thing. Um, okay. What would it be? But, you know, right. we may we may not have the time. But let's go. Go on. Go for it. There are okay. five, five points right. then. To- so, I'm
1: going to list the five and then we'll we'll walk through them quickly. So, here are the five. Clear, flexible, transparent, with and steady. Clear, mm-hmm. flexible, transparent, with and steady. So, let's talk let's start with clear. Now, people might use other words, but when there is uncertainty, they're they're looking to understand with some clarity about what they need to do. And so if you want to call it defi- decisive or definitive, you could call it those words as well. But the idea is even though we're all trying to figuring out, trying to figure out what are we supposed to do, the leader part of the leader's job is to be clear. Andy mm-hmm. Stanley is an author who I follow, I think is a brilliant leadership mind. He draws a great distinction between clarity and certainty. And he says it this way. He says, you know, we can't actually offer certainty because there is so much in the world that we can't control. And, and I think, obviously, this is, you know, we're talking literally about leading on uncertainty, so clearly that applies. But he said sure. this, we can't promise them with certainty about how things will go, but we can give them clarity about what we're going to do. And so, look, we, we, a pandemic has hit here's what we're going to do. We're going to, you know, if you're in the restaurant business, we're going to switch to curbside service. Here's what that's going to look like. And there might be many questions like, is that going to work? Are we still going to get enough customers? There's a lot of Mm -hmm. fair questions. What if we open up and the pandemic hits again and we all, all of those are fair questions. All of those have uncertainty, but what you offer as a leader is here's Here's with clarity, what we are going to do. People need that.
0: Now, so they oh, can because yeah, people do need certainty too, don't they? From a neuroscience perspective, people need certainty as well. But but it, but actually, if listening to what you're saying, what we what we could be saying is they can be they can be certain of what you're saying because you are saying it with clarity. Well,
1: yes, you're being definitive about what what you're asking people to do. Yeah, it's it's yeah. not just live in limbo. Now, what we have to be careful is we can't promise them certainty about outcomes because no. there's so. What we're going to say is we believe this is the best move given all the information we currently have, and so we are going to step confidently in that direction. Now, yeah, that doesn't mean that we won't change course, and we're going to come to flexible next. <laughs> so mm, that doesn't sure. mean that when we get more information that we won't change. But what I can tell you is that now we are going in this direction, follow me, this is where we're heading, so that people can step confidently into that. And, and also, you don't want to promise things you can't control. That's a big sure. danger in uncertainty. You, promise, you can say, I promise this is what we're going to do, but you can't promise that you're going to control a pandemic because you obviously are not individually no. and, responsible. And of
0: course, for that. that impacts on your tr- on trust. Exactly, practice, which exactly. we were discussing before we went live, weren't we? Yes. So,
1: yep. Yeah. Exactly. So the second on the list. Now, now let me just say something about clarity. That is the one of these five it's really a bit more in the what of leadership instead of the who. The other four we're going to talk about fall into the who category. So that's a little bit more towards the strategy and execution side and that you're communicating very clearly about that. Now, Mm -hmm. very similar to the research that says 77% of your effectiveness as a leader comes from who you are, not what you do. If four out of five are about who, we're at 80%. So we're going to mirror that. It just so happens Mm -hmm that we find that to be true in so many different places. So flexible. I mean, when things are in, in, in flux as they are, oh. we've got to be humble enough not to hold on to our previous plans so tightly that we don't adjust. We have to be able to adjust and adapt. You hear the term adaptable leadership quite a bit. And there's a, there's a space in there where we have to recognize as leaders that things are changing, which means we need to have some flexibility compared to our previous plans. And so there's a, there's a bit of a, you know, we, we can't be changing strategies every other day. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but most importantly, we have to have the humility to be able to see that maybe the choice that we made four months ago has to change. And now I have an openness, a willingness, a humility to be able to say, let's make that change. So flexibility driven by humility is very important. Yep. Okay. Let's talk about being transparent. Yes. Again, some other words you could use here. You could use authentic. You could use real. Mm -hmm. You could even use the word honest. In -hmm. the midst of craziness, and you said the word trust, it's so important. We want to be able to trust the people that are giving us instructions. And when there's a lot of, uh, you know, when it's opaque between the leader and follower, when the leader's not communicating information that they have to the best of their ability, when they're kind of hiding behind the curtain, as it were, we don't, we don't trust a void of communication. <laughs> we actually nice. fear that and it, and it creates a lot of unstil- un- instability in us and we don't want to move confidently. So one of the things is we have to be, principled as leaders, which means being transparent with where things are. You do that with wisdom. Um, you have to manage. You mentioned emotional uh, intelligence, emotional maturity a second ago. Yes, we still have to have that. But we, ha- but we need to let our humanity be a part of the leading process. People want to follow other human beings. And if we put on a coat of armor that is so stiff and rigid that people don't see that there's a real-life person there. They're going to be yeah. less apt to trust us, and and they would be right to have some reservations around yeah them. So,
0: yeah. being
1: transparent is important.
0: Yeah, got you. Definitely agree so, with that. And we, my own business, read is very much about the. A lot of what we do is around internal communication and and communications and consistent tones of voice and create trust mm-hmm. and it's it's very often people hide behind a kind of corporate armor when they're yeah. producing internal communication you know they yeah. they just lose all sense of humanity and and, <laughs> and it and, it, and it, it becomes impossible for people to really get a sense of uh, any sense of being able to trust what it is they're reading because it just sounds like corporate jargon
1: yeah yeah uh, well, good. I'm glad that you're helping people make sure that they don't check their humanity at the door.
0: Because We try. We try. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we we, th- we, sh- we don't. We don't check our, um, as con- you know, we're consumers in the outside world and we respond in certain ways. And we don't leave that behind when we step into the workplace, you know, wanting to have our opinions heard, being asked what we think about things, trust pilots, post-service reviews, all of that kind of thing. We, why mm-hmm. Why would you not have that in the workplace too?
1: Hmm. Yes. Good point. Good point. All right. Our final two are with and steady. So with yeah. a bit of a strange word to put in here, but think about together and connected, mm-hmm. relational. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the big weapon around this one is empathy. Can I be an right. empathic leader? Can I, even though I sit wherever I sit in the organization, can I remember what it was like? Can I put myself in somebody else's shoes who maybe doesn't have as much information? or as much decision making authority. And when we and you can see how transparency and being with people, empathy, you can see how that would to to your business, that that really impacts the communication that goes out. Mm -hmm. And so can we be really with our people as opposed to separated? That takes some emotional risk. You might be disappointed. You might, you know, to really empathize with people, we have to be willing to feel their pain and frustration. And I don't say that in a generic like it's really far away. I mean, really, am i going to put mm. my heart in the situation where they are so I can feel what they're feeling. Now, I still may not agree with the antidotes to that that they're offering, but to really be with with people, we have to take some emotional risk. We have to empathize with them if we're really going to be with them. So it's really important especially in times of uncertainty that people know that you're with them.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree, Tim. And would you say that in the last sort of 18 months, one of the things we have seen, one of the sort of trends um, that we've seen in business, in businesses over the last 18 months has been leaders, senior leaders I'm talking about here, Mm -hmm. um, kind of coming out from hiding behind the, the, the heavily scripted town hall meeting and actually, Come, almost literally coming into people's homes through Zoom screens and team screens and everything and, and actually putting their real selves out there in a way that they would previously have resisted?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the invitation has been there in a new way. Now, hmm. have they – I think you could go from company to company or even department to department – to analyze whether or not they did that well, whether or not they stepped mm. into that. But I do think the discussion, I mean, I probably have heard the word empathy in the marketplace more in the last 18 months than probably ever before, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and so now it's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to do it. <laughs> and mm. And that's the part where not everybody has been as good at it. But I think the invitations have been just too numerous to even count during these last 18 months, 100%. For sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. I see. Okay, so we've got we've got one more left.
1: We got, yes, last one is steady. So mm-hmm. I want you to think about being grounded and stable in who you are as a leader. I want you to think about being secure and settled in who you are, which is really interesting around this last one, is it doesn't involve interaction with anybody else. Mm-hmm. Are you taking the time through your habits, practices, rituals, to ground and center yourself in the midst of the swirl of all the craziness that's going on around you. The people who follow you, and and look, I can extend this not just into a business, but I can put this into our homes as well. The people who follow you, need you, they need me. They need us to be leaders who are steady. We don't get thrown off. We don't panic. We don't freak out. Um, We take information, even very concerning information, with a pause and a measuredness. And the question is, am I investing in the habits and practices that help create that steadiness in me? And there's a variety of different ways to do that. Of course, mindfulness has a lot of momentum all over the world right now, and that is a great way to move towards steadiness. But there's a number of other ways to pursue it as well, from how you eat to taking care of your physical exercise and on-down life. The question is, are we as leaders in the midst of this uncertainty prioritizing being steady. And in fact, here's the tough news, is a lot of that work needed to have started before the uncertainty came, (laughs) because steadiness is not something you dream of 24 hours, but you can be more concerted in working on it, even if the uncertainty has already landed. So that's our list of five, clear, flexible, transparent, with, and steady. And those last four are really about who you are as a person, thus getting back to the research.
0: And, and let's move back to that as well. I mean, we've, we've got just over, well, just under four minutes left, Tim. Um, yeah. What Does the research tell us anything about the actual impact of this kind of leadership approach to the actual thing that matters at the end of the day to so many, you know, shareholders and boards and all the rest of it in terms of, you know, the bottom line results, the hard business KPIs?
1: Sure. So if you look at some research done by Human Synergistic, they have a set of qualities that they call constructive styles. And if you dig into those constructive styles, you will find things that fall distinctly into the categories of inwardly sound and others focused. So Human Synergistics research has been done all over the world in every industry, at every level in the organization, there's no demographic split that they haven't encountered. And they found no difference in any of the demographic splits. So to say it doesn't matter what entry, it doesn't matter where you're at the top or the bottom of the organization, it doesn't matter your ethnicity, male, female, none of that changed the reality that when they see the combination of task effectiveness and results, that they're looking at increases of 30% if you're showing up in this constructive style, which, again, makes up inwardly sound and others' focus. There's even some um, financial indicators being specifically measured by a consulting firm called KRW, and they measured, they actually sought to measure two aspects of leaders and executive leadership teams, and they found that their 10 in their research return on assets was 4.8 times greater than bottom 10 when they're measuring who. So there are hard productivity and financial impacts being a leader and having leadership teams that are more well-developed in okay. who they are.
0: Tim, can I just ask you to repeat that percentage because we lost the slightly oh, larger okay. signal for a moment and yeah, I think it yeah, yeah. was quite important. Yeah.
1: Yes. So human synergistics In their measurement on productivity, they found that task effectiveness was up over 30% for leaders who were inwardly sound and others focused. Their title for that is constructive styles because we did our Mm -hmm. research differently, but it's the same content. So that's what the center of statistics found. And then KRW, their research found 4.8 times return on assets for leaders and leadership teams that were more well developed in who they are, and again, okay, it's so amazing hear the inwardly sad and others-focused aspects as well. Okay, four
0: point eight
1: percent times. Four, no, yeah. not four point eight percent. Four point eight times. Four point oh, eight times. 8 times. Yeah, yeah, returned, so much right, higher, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Got it. Okay. We've got just over half a minute left, Tim. I'm going to bring you right back to where I threatened to take you. Of those five (laughs) things, then, so which one? One one thing that a listener can take away and maybe start trying to be tomorrow, what
1: would it be? Yeah, I I would go with steady. I would go with the one-on-one meeting with yourself because when you are secure and settled – As my colleague John Ott says, if you can say to yourself, I'm okay, and come what may, I'm okay. If you do the work to ground yourself relationally, uh, spiritually, physically, if you do that, then you can show up and provide stability for the people that you're leading.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. Perfect timing. So thank you very much for listening to Engage for Success Radio today. And thank you to today's special guest, Tim Spiker, founder of the Aperio and the Who, Not What Principle, which I think we're all going to take away and try and apply. So thank you very much for listening. And we will see you at the same time next week. And don't forget, you can download or stream any of the great shows from our archives at any time. Thank you and goodbye. Engage for Success Radio. Raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.